The Big Beat manifesto goes, Big Beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. This is contagious. Yeah. This is outrageous. This is contagious. Percy thinks he might be gay. He's 80% certain. 80. Nice. No need to overdo it. So he's dealing with that, which I think is great, and I'm being very supportive over. I always thought he might be a bit gay, but more like 30%, if I'm honest. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the El Dude Brothers podcast, episode 57, right? 57? Yeah, 57, yeah. All right. Quant talking to my name is Sean, and I'm probably about, like, I don't know, 34.5% gay. And my name's Laura, and I probably would have got further ahead in life, too, if it were not for my hair. <laughs> <laughs> how are you? I'm doing good. You know how I knew you were on vacation this week? How? Because our account sent out, like, literally no tweets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have been away uh, to Butlins, which British listeners will know is an absolutely super time of a holiday with the kids uh but we did have a nice week yeah it looked very fun i was loving all your uh pictures on twitter twitter yeah because we just established yeah yeah we just established that nothing happened on the twitter account while you were gone uh (laughs) facebook um, yeah no we had a lovely time it was so hot though like it's it was meant to be so it was on the south coast, so about sort of two and a half hours away from London, and it was meant to be cooler down there, and it was not cooler down there at all. It was awful. Oh, it looked like it was such a ton of fun, though. Did the girls have a good time? Oh, they were just like, I think basically neither of them have got any serotonin left. They were just so happy for five days, and now they were now they've come home, and it's all disappointing. It's like, oh, <laughs> back here doing what? What, what are we going to do today? Washing. <laughs> yeah. Are we going to Peppa Pig World again? <laughs> no. no, never again. Phil said that as we left. He was like, well, make sure you go on any ride you want to, girls, because we're never coming back here. And Sadie was like, oh, maybe we'll come next year. It's like, please, God, no. We've been twice now, and I think we've done our time. Oh, so this is like a second visit to Peppa Pig World. Yeah, so we, the first time we went was when Sadie was about 18 months. I was pregnant with Esther. And... It was great she 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 loved it and then obviously we've gone esther's 22 months so similar age sort of when they hit their peak pepper pig love and uh yeah just loved it oh it looked like you guys had a great time how was the roller coaster or whatever thing you were riding on oh christ so like the bit the pepper pig bit has got some like really tame rides as you'd expect for the preschoolers and then there's a few like roller coasters for the older kids and Sadie wanted to go on this thing it was called like the Tyrannosaurus Rex it was it was dinosaur themed and I thought well there'd be no way on earth she'll be tall enough to go on it but we'll go and look and then when we got to the front of the like where you go in she was tall enough to go on it and I was like oh shit and I thought well if we queue up when she sees it there's no way she's going to want to go on it but that if anything seeing it only spurred her on and she just loved it. And we went on it five times in a row. And I honestly thought I was going to vomit. It was just, it was horrifying. It went upside down. It was, but she couldn't get enough of it. Oh, that's so funny. Bless her. I mean, I used to love rides when I was a kid. Uh, and well, like a teenager, I used to love rides. But um, the last couple of weeks going to Thought Park and then doing this have, have shown me that I now no longer love rides. Like I feel... It makes me feel sick going on on rides that I used to love, so that's a bit sad. Oh, that is sad. 
I fucking love roller mm, coasters. Yeah. Yeah, I always did. And I do like the, th- I like the thrill of the roller coaster, but maybe it was just going on it five times in a row, but it definitely makes me feel like a bit nauseous in a way I never got as a, as a child. So how long do you think we can talk about stuff other than the episode? <laughs> <laughs> as long as possible. Cause I fucking hate this episode. How did you feel about uh, it? Yeah. Um, pretty much the same and you know i thought this was gonna be um i i thought that i liked this episode for some reason i really liked the last scene i think the last scene's really funny i knew i didn't like it i remember not liking it at the time when it aired but i'd forgotten quite how much i disliked it i just i just think it's like pure meh and it's got some really funny bits so i mean obviously we'll talk about this more but like the football bits really really funny and the stuff with super hands house is really funny but as a putting it all together and making it into an episode to me it just feels like all the bit like they didn't really know what to do with it so they just took some scenes they thought would be funny that they cut from other episodes and stuck them all together yeah yeah i like if you could have uh if we could have put together an episode of peep show that was just pure filler <laughs> This, this is it. would have been it. And I've got a lot of things to say about Mark's ideas of how a relationship is supposed to work as well. Like, don't even get me started. I'll, I'll get started on this, don't worry. But Mark is a fucking idiot in this episode. Oh, yeah. I definitely think... Uh, or... Oh, yeah. I definitely as agree as with you. As is Jez, to be honest. They're, but yeah, they both have got no idea of how like the world works. And bearing in mind, they're meant to be, as we know... 38 and 39 probably at this point grow up you pair of idiots Mm -hmm. yeah no i agree with you so i suppose i suppose we should start talking about it really i mean if there's anything else you want to talk about that's fine (laughs) you've been you've been watching anything good this week um just japanese wrestling still the japanese wrestling have you carried on with um this is America or whatever it's called. Oh, I did. I watched the first episode and a half of Who is America. I said, Who is America? Do you like it? I love it. And I was talking to Nicole about this the other day. I'm just always amazed that Sasha Baron Cohen is able to get these prominent politicians to just say the most weird shit on camera. I was... So we've watched them all. We've watched all the... It's been two. Has it been two or three episodes that they've had so far? We've watched however many they've been. We've watched. I think them all. there's been two. And, um, yeah. I think there's been two, and the stuff at the end of the first episode with the um, kindergartens. The kindergarten, your kindergartens. That's it. We were just in hysterics, and my friend Catherine texted me and was like, "Is this like true? Like, do you think this is true, or is this put on?" And I was like, "I reckon it is true. I reckon that there are." There are people that would be duped by that, and that is worrying. Oh, it's 100% true. You can just go ahead and tell her this is 100% true. This definitely happened. Yeah, that was my feeling. Have you watched the bit in the second episode with Bernie Sanders yet? I haven't. That's very funny. He's completely confused by the whole setup. He's just like, he doesn't really say anything controversial, particularly in music, and he just looks like one fuck have i walked into oh maybe i did see that it's like right at the start of the episode right 
Yeah, I think yeah, it is okay, right yeah, at the start I did, of the I did yeah. see that. I just don't remember it. What? Yeah, it was. It was yeah. funny. What I just couldn't believe was when he got that politician to start screaming the N word. Like, what? I, I just don't understand. You know, like, how do people think that this is a good idea? It's just, it's just so embarrassing for the for the politicians that have, or for the people that have taken part. And that was so the case with like Ali G, which was that you just couldn't believe that these. Uh, prominent people um, had got involved and I don't know if you heard of Brass Eye that we had in this country I haven't so that was really funny and that was like a spoof news thing and there was a really good um, there was a really good thing in that where they got entertainers to make a it was like a warning video like a don't do drugs kids video about a new drug called cake which obviously wasn't real (laughs) and it was just it was so cringe but you can't believe that these people are being taken in by it. Yeah. Yeah, I just, like, I was watching it, and I was like, who would have ever thought that this was real? Yeah, it's, it is slightly worrying. Yeah. But, man, the prosthetics that Sasha Baron Cohen wears in that show are just so, like, almost unbelievable. Yeah, they look. He looks so much like a caricature. That's the other thing that you can't believe that they aren't thinking. Fuck. But I guess maybe it's like that thing where you see someone who, like, where you see a a a, a man that's clearly going through some sort of uh, gender reassignment surgery or situation, and you think, well, I know that's a like a man who's transitioning, but you know it, but you're not obviously gonna say it, so you just go along you know what i mean and it's maybe it's that maybe they know hmm, something's wrong here but you're being polite and just kind of going along yeah it's uh it's been interesting to see people's reactions to who is america because it has varied greatly what are people people generally liking it or not liking it or well pretty much our entire right-wing party hates it Right, yeah. And, um, you know, of course, the left loves it. And, yeah, I kind of, I yeah, I just, like, I don't know. I just can't believe that, uh, I, I just can't believe that, like I said earlier, I just can't believe that he gets people to admit that kind of stuff. No, it is, you know, you think if you were in the public eye in any way, you'd have some sort of idea of how, like, the media works and how PR works and they just seem to completely fall on their asses and not have any idea how it works. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyways. All right. Come on. Let's talk about Peep Show. Yeah, let's talk about Peep Show. So let's do... So... Let's do what we were sent here to do. Our God's mission. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we start out with what is actually... One of the funniest scenes of the episode, I would say, in Super Hans's house. Yeah, um, they're in this room that just has like these fucking wind chimes everywhere. It's really funny. Yeah, it's like an old ladies' room, isn't it? So it's got little figurines and like crinoline ladies, and it's got a bedspread, and it's uh, it's a very bizarre room. Super Hans says that this is going to be Jeremy's room. Jeremy thinks he's hit the jackpot. There's no skag heads, no corpses, no nunces. Superhand says it's his nan's room, and Jeremy asks, you know, 
is she still using it? And Superhands just calmly says she's dead. If you won't stop going on about it for one single minute, Jeremy apologizes. <laughs> yep, um, Superhands has got some, he's sort of got some house rules or, or things he needs to let Jeremy know about the house. So the bathroom is currently on a bucket blush system. Uh, the fridge is fucked, but the bag at the window system is working very well for them. And he wants Jeremy to know that they do peg and reuse all their tea bags. So this made me laugh because it the, the bucket flush system made me laugh because that's exactly how I imagine Superhands <laughs> lives. But can't imagine Superhands drinking tea, let alone reusing his tea bags. <laughs> uh, I just assumed that this was cheap Superhands. Yeah, um, I think I lived in this house as a student as well. We had all of those things going on in my student house. I I lived in a similar house when I was in the military, so... Yeah, yeah, definitely the the bag at the window instead of a fridge thing. Definitely we had going on for a while because our fridge was not very good. Um, as they're looking around, the, uh, as they're looking around Superhands' non's bedroom, Jeremy just sees a snake, and uh, Jeremy's just like, fucking hell it's a snake and superhands is like yes yes there are snakes there's quite a few snakes it's hard to keep count they're very good at hiding <laughs> and jeremy says he doesn't want to be large guy about it but is there a room with fewer snakes available and han says no he did try to bag them up but it didn't go down too well so he just let them get on with it um but not to worry because they were right for snakes yeah uh this first scene if i was watching this episode for the first time and i saw this first scene i'd be like okay we are in for something yes um do you think oh, i've got two two questions for you so number one what did you call or do you call your nans because you seem to have trouble pronouncing the word so clearly that's not what you call yours oh i guess i didn't realize that i had trouble pronouncing it no no just just just, it's clear that that's not a word you're familiar with. So what did you call your grandmother? Grandmother. Grandmother. Well, that's what you, that's what you said to their faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As in, hello, grandmother. Uh, I would call my mom's mom, Grandma Robbins. Or, no, sorry, right, okay. obviously. Uh, fuck, I'm not going to even put, well, I guess my last name's out there. Uh, my mom's mom was <laughs> Grandma Miller. And then my... No, I guess I did call her grandma to her face. Grandma? Yeah. Grandma makes more sense rather than grandmother just seemed a bit formal. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I guess I should have probably clarified that I was not calling them grandmother. Hello, grandmother. Right, yeah. <laughs> so my understanding has always been, certainly in this country, if you're posh, you call your nan granny and ill grandma. And if you're not, you call her nan or nanny. I called both of my nans nan, uh, but Phil called his granny granny. So there you go. He's not posh. So maybe that rule doesn't follow. My great grandmother on my dad's side, she was nanny. Right. Okay. Makes sense. And she lived for yeah. fucking ever and was a great woman. I had a great grandmother who lived forever. She, she lived, she died at 101, but that was just, she just seemed to never run out of steam until obviously she definitely did, but she was old as time and completely like I never remember her not being completely fucked. Like she couldn't really walk. She didn't go out much. She only she smoked cigarettes and and, and uh, ate cheese and onion crisps, and those were her two things. Oh, see, my my nanny, she lived on her own till she died. 
and was a fully functioning human until the day she died. Oh, that's that's good. Yeah, my nan lived. She so two years before she died, she had a stroke, and then she moved into a home. Uh, but before that, she lived on her own, which was quite. She was ninety nine when she moved out of a house, which was quite quite good going. Mm-hmm. She was widowed for something insane, like sixty years. No, it was madness. Wow! Did her husband die in the war? No, he died. He didn't die long after the war, but he just died of like general man stuff. Like I want to say a heart attack or something like that. Oh, a heart attack is general man stuff. <laughs> you know, like those mat those things that old men tend to get rather than old women. So like heart attacks like cholesterol issues you know that sort of thing oh right yeah because all we do is eat shit with high cholesterol <laughs> no but like women uh, generally, okay. you can just be sexist you... laura that's fine <laughs> i just want you to know generally if you've got an old set of grandparents like the nan lives longer doesn't she on the l dude brothers podcast i'm gonna hold your feet to the fire when i think you're being sexist <laughs> okay i own it i own my sexism on this one <laughs> Um, my other question was, do you think that Superhands was brought up by his nan? Oh my god, I just have this vision now of his nan being, like, crazy as fuck. Yeah, yeah, that's spot on, I think. And and Superhands is, he doesn't seem like someone who's got a massive connection to his family either, because, like, think about, like, on Christmas, he goes around to Jez's, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. And things like that, so my suspicion is that he was brought up by his nan, who's now dead, and he's got no family for some tragic reason. We should tweet Matt King about this and see what he thinks. <laughs> yeah, what what do you think was Superhands' backstory, Re's family? <laughs> um, we go into a nightclub where Davi and Mark are, and again, this is Mark just being totally uncomfortable in this situation and having zero compatibility with Davi and pretty much everything I hate about their relationship. <laughs> He even looked wrong drinking beer out of a bottle. I thought this as I was watching the scene. It was like, he even looks uncomfortable drinking that beer. Oh, I just think this is like Trump eating a McDonald's hamburger trying to connect with the <laughs> common man. Yeah, exactly that. He's like, he's trying to appear easygoing. But by trying to appear easygoing, he seems even less easygoing. Yeah. Um he is still kind of hinting at Dombey that he wants her to move in, and he asks, you know, when might you be bringing your stuff over? No pressure. She says, probably in about a week. Jason's van is in the garage, and Mark just thinks to himself, Jason, the only man with a van. <laughs> Have you got a man with a van that you call on? Uh, yeah, it's called U-Haul. Oh, uh, okay. So I, I just wondered if you had a friend who was like your, your van, go-to van guy. Uh, no, I, well, yes, I do. Yeah, f- yeah. Everyone's got everyone's got a guy. Yeah, my other friend Sean has the biggest fucking truck you've ever seen in your life, Laura. Yeah. So we've got a friend Sam who's got a van, and he's if you need if you need a van, if you need someone to help you put flat pack furniture together, Sam's your man. He's who you're gonna call. And I assume Jason is like Dobby's version of that. Yeah. But if Mark really wanted her to move in, why doesn't Mark just get a moving company? Buy a van. Yeah, exactly. I thought that. Um, so then at this point, you know, they're all with kind of Dobby's and Simon's like startup friends. And one of them just kind of yells, hey, Dobby, come over here for a minute. And Mark sees Dobby kind of go over to where the women are. And he thinks to himself, 
Maybe they're going to brainstorm an excuse about not moving in. I wonder what they're laughing about. Could just go and ask, what the fuck are you laughing about? But it might seem a bit aggressive. <laughs> we then hear a conversation between um, Simon and, oh, I've forgotten his name, but he's married to Alice, um, about the five-a-side football game that they're going to be playing on Sunday. And Simon's saying that they're a man down if he fancies it, but man whose name I can't remember says that he'd love to, but he's got a roast chicken summit with Alice. So clearly it's back on with Alice or he's trying to make it back on with Alice. Hold on, I'm looking up his name because it's driving me crazy right now. <laughs> Is it Neil? Could be Neil. Yeah, it's Neil. Yeah, so Neil says that he's got a roast chicken, chicken summit with Alice and then... Yeah. You're meant to be watching The Incredibles now then. Oh, we have a guest on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were watching The Incredibles with Daddy and Esther. I don't well, you can sit and watch me, but you've got to be quiet. So you sit on the stairs. Actually, Sadie, why don't you go and get your tablet and your earphones from my bedroom, and then you can watch your tablet and sit there. Does that sound like a good idea? Yeah. Quiet idea. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have to do another kind of job to climb up. Alright, yeah, go and get it. Jesus. Look at this. Just do the podcast. Yeah, I'm doing the podcast. Aww. Um, um, where was I? Mark then says that uh, he he scoffs at the idea of five aside, and he says that this is where all the real men go to laugh at the rest of us who can't check the brake fluid or shoot a baboon. Uh, and he quotes the real men in his ideas are Alistair Campbell, Alan Hansen, and probably Brian Cox, even though he pretends he's not one of them. I think Brian Cox is the only name out of that group that I recognise. Um, Alan Hansen is a footballer who's now a commentator. Um, and Alistair Campbell was Tony Blair's spin doctor. Quite oh. a sort of gruel, manly guy. Yeah, okay, so Brian Cox I know is the actor, and the only reason I know him is because he was in um, Super Troopers. I don't know, Brian Cox is a professor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there probably is a Brian Cox who's an actor, but that's not who he means. Hang on, I'm Googling your Brian Cox. It says he's a Scottish actor. Who works uh, with the Royal Shakespeare Company? Oh. A Scottish actor who works with the Royal Shakespeare Company. Yeah, no, not him. It is, it's plugged in. Um, he's a physicist, Brian Cox, who who does the infinite monkey cage on Radio 4. Are you sure that Mark wouldn't be talking? <laughs> Oh God! Oh, I'm s close, but no cigar. I'm so... That's what happens if you rely on Wikipedia. I am so motherfucking tired right now, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! He was also in a oh. band prior to being a physicist. Oh my God. So I'm so fucking there tired. You go. <laughs> I apologize to anybody that fucking is listening to this episode right now. It's just completely oh my God, right? we, we both we both hate this episode and you're hysterical. Like oh. this is not this is this is not what they signed up I for. I'm so goddamn tired right now. <laughs> uh, anyways, so at this point, Davi comes over and she just says, "Oh my God, I was chatting to Trish and Mark." And excuse me, Davi comes over and says, "Oh my God, big news! I was just chatting to Trish," and Mark asks, "You know what the news is?" Very politely, I may add. 
and Davi just says, she's a transsexual. She started hormone, hormone therapy, and in January, she's having the op. And Mark just says, oh, my God, really? And Davi just says, no, of course not, dickhead. The company's got a project in New York, and Trish asked how I'd feel about being part of it. What? Why is Davi just being so bitchy to Mark here? Yeah, she's been really unpleasant, and it doesn't really make any sense because... Well, he dropped, and I still like the word of this. Um, because Mark, like you say, is being very polite. He's not being unpleasant towards her. And she's just... She seems like she's, like, spoiling for a fight, almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, no, I agree. Yeah, she's... Yeah, I don't know what to say other than that I've always hated Dobby, and I hate her even more here. Yeah, boy, I feel the venom just, like, pouring out of us for this episode. Mm. <laughs> um... Dobby then says it's between her and Claire with the hair, so don't mention it to anybody. Um, she says she's been looking forward to moving in with Mark for months, but, and then Mark thinks, ah, uh, the but. And then she says, but it's difficult. Um, and, she, and Mark then thinks it's an invented job offer to escape cohabitation. Classic, that's very me. Yeah, and I just kind of feel bad for Mark. I feel like that this episode is his entire life just kind of like, going up in flames right in front of his face. Yeah, unraveling. I agree with you. Um, we then move on to back to the flat, and Jeremy and Mark are, uh, are in the flat. Jeremy's coming in, and he says he's not moving, trying to move back or anything. He's just forgotten to give his keys in. Um, and Mark says not to worry. He can come around any time he likes. And Jeremy thinks that he's so nice, Mark's so nice, that maybe he'll even let him steal his girlfriend. Yeah, and then... Jeremy just slams, like, a bunch of loose keys down on top of their little, like, I don't know, the ledge where they keep all their stuff. And Jeremy says, yeah, loose keys, never owned a key ring, waste of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he says the Holston Pills key ring that Mark has. Um, the guys over at Holston are really laughing at you. Every time you open the door, you are advertising their beer to yourself, which did make me laugh. This is a very super hands way of thinking. Mm-hmm. But... It would be so inconvenient to have loose keys in your pocket. Like, surely Jeremy would have lost one of the keys. He's a complete idiot. Like, it, it, there's no way he would have kept those keys. See, as somebody who did not carry a wallet for multiple years, I totally, after carrying a wallet, I can 100% say that loose keys, lack of wallet is not the way to go. No, what did you, where did you put your shit if you didn't have a wallet? Uh, I mean, I literally just kept my driver's license, my military ID, my debit card, and whatever cash I had in my front pocket. I mean, it's easier for men because you've got pockets. So I will say that it's not entirely mad. It wouldn't be like me not having a purse because where would I put anything? I haven't got any pockets. Boy, I totally missed an opportunity to say in my bra. <laughs> <laughs> if I was going to a nightclub, I might put things in my bra, but that's about the only time and i haven't been to a nightclub in some years now um at this point davi walks into the hallway and she's all showered up and wearing like a bathrobe and she's got her hair all up in a towel and jeremy thinks to himself wet from the shower warm from the oven and <laughs> but he continues to talk and he says it's great to finally be bagged up it's like a chrysalis I'm going to emerge like some kind of mad butterfly. And uh, Mark asks him to stay for a cup of tea at least. And Davi says, yeah, tea or umbongo. 
the delicious tropical drink with overtones of colonial racism. And I'm sure that you can explain to me what umbongo is. Yes, umbongo is a delicious, or it was before they took the sugar out of it, a delicious uh, tropical fruit drink, beloved of children's lunchboxes, but you can buy it in bigger cartons. Uh, doesn't seem like the sort of thing Mark would have in, but it does seem like the sort of thing Dobby might buy. Yeah. This looks like... Oh, okay. We have something similar. Yeah. The advertising slogan used to be Umbongo, Umbongo, they drink it on the Congo, which I don't think you'd get away with now. Oh, okay, yeah. So I see where the overtones of colonial racism come from. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jeremy then thinks that he loves Dobby. He says, God, I love you. It's all good, except it's all very bad. <laughs> and then he pokes his head into his bedroom, which is completely empty. And he says it's like looking at his own grave, except he's so dead there's not even a body. Yeah, and uh, Mark is talking about how it's going to be his home office. Uh, and Mark just says, funny, eh? Yeah. Jeremy asks what happened to the bed and the desk. And Mark says that Dobby and him drove them to the dump. There's a great little area to leave stuff where somebody else might want. And Jeremy just is like, oh, did you see anybody take them? And Mark says, yeah, I did a, a woman... She looked like she was a halfway house, uh, living on methadone kind of person, but best not to mention it. <laughs> um, Jeremy then offers to paint the room, and Mark immediately, like, you can tell Mark is not liking this idea, and he, Jeremy thinks that you could pay me to hang around with Dobby. He says he would do it to the highest professional standards, and Mark says, yeah, would you, though, because I can show you Exhibit A, which is one of the walls you started painting 10 years ago. <laughs> And never finished any sort of gestures to the half-painted orange wall. Uh, one of my favorite, you know, one of my favorite things, the half-painted yeah, walls. Um, and it and it makes me wonder that do we ever see Jeremy's room again in series nine? Because I, we must not do because I don't recall noticing that the orange walls were gone. So maybe he's never in. Oh, I mean, maybe he does his life coaching in his bedroom. Maybe I've just not joined the dots. Yeah, they also have to get rid of Jerry. Oh, cool, yeah. So, yeah, it's not orange in there anymore. We're gonna... This is gonna be something we're gonna need to track. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna need to check this. If it's apple white, um, or if it's... If it's apple white, yeah. Um, Mark that is still hesitating, and he says he'll think about it, and then he thinks to himself, I've thought about it, and it's a no. He then asks Jeremy if everything's good at hands is. Jeremy says it's all great. Um, Mark says he was worried that it wouldn't be, but... Jeremy says that it's great. I mean, a little bump because his room is a bit full of snakes. Bit of a snake pit. And Mark just looks appalled at this. And uh, Jeremy continues and he says, but we're going to bag them up once we get some coke and get on a bagging vibe. Until then, I'm sleeping on the sofa, which is great. Except for hands as something of a night owl. But aside from the, <laughs> but aside from the snakes and the no sleep, or, and then Mark says, but aside from the snakes and the no sleep, good? And Jeremy says, yeah, really good. I mean, we are taking a lot of drugs. And I just wrote, ah, there's no such thing. <laughs> um, he says he did wonder before, will it be too many drugs at hands? Because he talks about them a lot, but he probably doesn't take that many. But as it turns out, he does take quite a lot of drugs. Uh, they had a system, but it broke down. And Mark just thinks to himself, surprise, surprise. That's probably a... And then says out loud, that's probably a bit of hazard with drug taking. And Jeremy says, no, you just need to be really careful with the ratios. We just got the ratios off. 
So I do think I am now addicted to drugs. And Mark says, you've always been addicted <laughs> to drugs, Jeremy. Uh, but Jeremy's appalled by this and thinks he's not a drug addict until, you know, until very, very recently. And Mark makes the point that he smokes um, marijuana every day and always has. And Jeremy says that's not being a drug addict. That's just having a bit of something to take the edge off. Um, he changes the subject swiftly and says, so Dobby's finally moved in. Congratulations. But Mark says, actually, she isn't going to be moving in until next week when Jason's van is fixed up. And Jeremy thinks that this sounds like something he would come up with. Um, she must be delaying on purpose because she's having cold feet. And this makes him happy. But then he thinks he's such a bad friend. Do you think that there is a difference between a drug addict and somebody who smokes pot every single day? <laughs> well, I suppose technically, if you're smoking pot every day, you are a drug addict. But then I've got arthritis and I take codeine most days. And if I don't take it, I definitely, even if I'm not in pain, I feel a bit grumpy. So I suppose I'm also a drug addict. There are, you know, there are levels of drug addict. There, it's it's not the same as being on Skag, is it? See, I think that you cross the line when you have to like prostitute yourself for drugs. Like if <laughs> that's that's your line. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's your road yeah, line. Yeah, yeah, that's my line. That's the that's the line I'll never cross. Like. <laughs> Even if I did smoke weed every day, you know, I would never get to the point where I'm like, oh my god, I've got to go prostitute myself in Kansas City to get weed. Like, it just doesn't work that way with weed. Yeah, I, I, I tend to think that th this is the sort of thing Mark would think, but that it's probably, it's, the physical addiction to something like weed is probably not the same as the physical addiction to something like heroin. Like, train spotting would never have been made about someone who smoked weed. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah you wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't have been as hard hitting i don't think yeah you wouldn't see somebody crawling in the dirtiest toilet in scotland to get a bag of weed out of the toilet no exactly it'd be like you know and people just do nothing when there's the weed drought <laughs> and um and uh beats keeps saying he's got a headache it would just be someone saying oh i've got a really bad headache over and over again <laughs> i have somehow missed this episode of people just do nothing have you i think it's in the it's one of the early ones. It's in the first or second series, and yeah, there's a weed drought, and they're trying to, they're trying to get weed by any means possible, and they're on the their pirate radio station saying they'll they'll literally take anything like the ends of people's joints, whatever. They'll make a franken <laughs> franken spliff if they have to. <laughs> uh, uh, and then Mark begins to tell Jeremy about the job offer she's had in New York, and um. He asked Jeremy, do you think she could have made that up to avoid moving in? And Jeremy just thinks to himself, duh, obviously, and then says out loud, <laughs> I wouldn't worry, mate. And then we find out that Mark has booked a romantic weekend for him and Dobby. He's going to nail down this New York lie. He's going to get her away, confront her, and watch her squirm. And Jeremy just thinks, brilliant. Very romantic. Yeah, that that is definitely the sign of a dysfunctional relationship, I would say. I I don't think I think if we were ever in any doubt that Mark and Dobby's relationship was anything other than shocking, this is this is all the all the all the information we needed. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, it's obvious that this is a toxic relationship, this is a horrible relationship for these two. It's they shouldn't be together, yeah. This is a bit like, um, so when we were y like young, like 1920, I was still with Bob the Bin Burner and 
we were i had a friend who if you can believe it was i've still got a friend i'm not going to name her um but if you can believe it she was in an even more dysfunctional relationship than me and i remember her saying we were both talking about as dysfunctional relationships we were in the pub we were a bit pissed and i remember her saying i guess if like the worst comes to the worst with these two like we could just get accidentally on purpose pregnant and i remember being like that is that has been the thunderbolt that has like woken me up here that like no that is not the answer to this like we need to you need to listen to yourself and listen to yourself good like no way and i remember us laughing and her being like yeah that's not the answer but sometimes there's a sort of watershed moment where you think no this dysfunctional relationship is not 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 working out and i think for mark that this should be if he you know if he's thinking about wheedling lies out of dobby this needs to be the watershed moment for him it isn't but it needs to be yeah this is when you start talking about like this kind of stuff and you know well we'll we'll get there in a few minutes but basically like getting your partner pregnant to stay with them or proposing to them <laughs> if you're trying to trick someone in any way like then that's not the relationship for you like trickery should not be part of this yeah yeah definitely um the next scene we are we see the little five aside football pitch and it's mark and simon and their other friends and i really enjoyed how you just mind the fuck out of this scene for world cup memes so, so much great meme uh, meme material in this for footballing. It's a very funny scene. I know, and this whole scene is only like two minutes long, and yet there was just constant new memes. I got about ten memes out of this, so yeah, it's uh, it's very funny. We see Mark run onto the pitch, and um, thinking, "Look normal, look like you fit in, do a little run," and he looks so awkward, and he's wearing like the most he looks really wrong in trainers he's wearing like a polo shirt and tracksuit bottoms and it just looks so wrong on mark yeah it's a great mark attire because it just is again <laughs> this is like trump eating a hamburger it's like mark trying to fit in with the little man yeah um and he says hey simon heard you guys might need an extra pair of legs for the game and simon just looks sadie stop singing <laughs> Sadie, Sadie, stop singing, please. Stop singing, please. Why? Because it will come out on the recording. It's okay. It's all right. You, you can still watch it. Just, just stop singing. Um. So what is it when I say robot? It's not a song. It's over there. Just say then robot. All right. I just want to paint a picture for, for anyone at home listening to this. So my four-year-old is stark bollock naked, sat on the stairs watching, I don't even know, some sort of My Little Pony thing on her tablet with earphones, and you can hear she's singing along with it. Sadie! Sadie! Oh, I'll send you downstairs. Shush. <laughs> um, so, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, so Simon looks absolutely appalled by by this he's obviously appalled to see mark clearly hates mark like a fair play to um i can't remember the name of the actor who plays simon but fair play to him for managing to show so much with one expression because he just looks like for fuck's sake what are you doing here you twat yeah um 
Matthew Bannerton. That's right, Matthew Bannerton. Um, but he says Simon says that they got Ollie to come down, so he's at, they're actually at five aside. But you know, you're here now. Join in. Um, and he hands him a bib and shouts out, "Mark's joining bibs. You get him second so, half." So I actually think that Simon is a pretty decent guy in this scene. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. He he clearly he's got that very English thing of like being very polite and very nice, but you can tell he thinks he's a moron. Yeah. Um, Mark is just kind of trying to, you know, or excuse me, we're not quite there yet. Uh, Simon asks Mark, so what are you, defense, attack, goalie? Mark just says he's bit of this, bit of that. And then he, Mark continues to talk to Simon while they're jogging around on the pitch. And he says, you oh, know, did you see the game the other night? And Simon asks, which game? And Mark just says, you know, the big fixture. Oh, you missed a great one. It was a really great game. And then Simon just um, reads down the rules. Nothing over the head height, no slides, no one in the D. Yeah, and Mark is just like, what? Yeah, what? I need to write this down. I need to write this down. And I really enjoy, like, you can hear the kind of, the what the other men are shouting to each other. And you just hear someone shout man on, which is a great football expression. I've got no idea what it means, but I've never watched a football game where one man in the audience with me didn't shout man on. And Sadie, where one man in the audience didn't shout man on. And I, I've got no idea what that means in football. In yeah, they kick the ball near Mark and Mark just is like, can I touch it? And then somebody just shouts, switch it, switch it. And Mark just says, what does that mean? I don't know what that even means. And then somebody just yells at him, switch it. And Mark just is like, sorry, guys. Yeah, I was going to, you know, kick it at the other end and just put one right in their fucking goal hole, but no dice. And I also love, uh, I love the way that Mark is attempting to sound manly with this expression. Yeah. She's fine. She's fine. She's singing, though. I've, I've asked her not to several times. So do you want to go down with daddy? He's got sweets. It's like a mousetrap. Feels like dangling sweets in front of her face. I can never hear my word. Oh my god, we have Phil on the podcast. <laughs> oh my god, Phil is doing—he's doing sign language to avoid being heard. <laughs> I'm gonna keep this. I'm gonna keep this ultra rare millisecond part of Phil's voice on there. This this, this sighting of Phil, hearing of Phil. It's um, like the Sasquatch in the so, U.S. It's a he's a mythical beast <laughs> that you hear about but never see. Yeah, you've got no evidence he really exists. He does, I promise. Um, um, uh, so Mark then attempts to uh, to get some information out of Simon. He says he hears that something big might be happening for you guys on the other side of the pond, and Simon just roundly ignores him and tells him to keep in some space. Yeah. Um, and Mark says, yeah, dude, don't worry. I've got this whole wing side on lockdown. <laughs> He's acting like Harry Kane over there. <laughs> yeah. Um, he then says, New York-based project, yeah. And he thinks, mm, suspiciously quiet. Maybe Dobby's playing me for a trout. There is no New York deal. And then someone shouts, take him out, take him out. And he, Mark, the ball gets sort of goes past Mark and he gets get kicked. <laughs> And he, he says, that was too hard. Someone's going to get hurt if you kick it that hard. I mean, that was just too hard, correct? Oh, man, I love this. I, I just This part just really <laughs> cracks me up. This this <laughs> scene is 
outside of the opening one, my favorite part in this entire episode. It's just so fucking funny. Yeah, and I really identify with Mark because I I know more about football now just through living a life in England. But like, so when I went out with Bin, Bob the Bin Burning guy, he was a big um, he was a big Nottingham Forest fan. Which I mean, they're not they're not a team that any anyone outside of Nottingham should should be a fan. Of. Like you know, they're they're small fry. We used to go and see a lot of Nottingham Forest games. And the team is literally called the, fir- the Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest, yeah, yeah, that, that is their name. And um, what a fucking they... shit name! <laughs> yeah, for a fucking shit team. So sorry to any Nottingham Forest fans out there, but I don't, I don't think even they would admit that they're not. You know, they're never gonna, they're never gonna set the footballing world world on fire. They should have just called and them I the fucking to... Merry Men or something like that. <laughs> But I think I'd been to about, no exaggeration, I reckon I'd sat through 10 games before I realised that they switch ends at half-time. So I'd just been watching the wrong end for 10 <laughs> games. And I was, I'd, I had no fucking clue what was going on. And when I admitted this, Bob the Bin Burning guy was like, how could you not have known? And I was like, because my brain just switches off at this point. Like, I know that there are rules, but I don't understand how people were born knowing them. Like, it just feels like, People were born knowing them in this country, and I haven't got a fucking clue. Oh, don't worry. That's my wife in American football, so... Yeah. It's, and like I say, I know a bit more now just through years of watching football games, but then, like, I'd never watch... I'd watch probably, like, three football games my whole life, and suddenly I was thrown in the deep end watching these Nottingham Forest games, and, like, fuck me, they were boring. Because as well as being the shit team, like nothing really happens during it's not it's not an exciting game of football like it might end 1-1 you know mm-hmm. i don't know if i've ever told yeah. you this story before or if i t- i may have and just edit it out or i don't even remember if i've said it on air before but i took my wife to her first american football game i don't know it was like probably back in 2010 maybe 2011 i don't mm-hmm. re- exactly remember when it was but um i noticed that my wife was like looking in the general direction of the field and like staring very intently and kind of like her head was moving up and down a little bit. And, you know, so I was like, Oh, she's really like getting into this. And I was like, Oh, you know, yeah, having a good time. And she's like, I'm just watching that fucking cotton candy guy over there. And I just really want him to get over here a little bit faster. So I was like, Oh, no, I've never heard that story before that. Um, that reminds me of, and again, stop me if I've told this story before, of when, um, so me and Phil have been going out probably like a year, 18 months maybe. We were still in a phase where we were being probably nicer to each other than, than we are now. And we, we went to, I wanted to see a restoration play about Anne Boleyn at the Globe, which was as exciting as it sounds. So I enjoyed it, but not Phil's cup of tea. But he was like, so like clearly so bored he'd clearly gone into his own world and then suddenly got really really interested in the stage and like you say was like i could see him looking really intently and i was like oh he's really getting into this like maybe i've turned him around to the world of theater like this is going to be what makes him love restoration plays and i turned to him and was like oh are you liking this and he was like a pigeon has just got into this onto the set and it's gone behind it's gone behind where the set is 
and in a minute it's going to come out and it's going to freak out the actors because they've not seen it and I was like <laughs> for fuck's sake <laughs> I'm just laughing because I totally can imagine myself doing that same thing if I was at that play <laughs> Yeah, and I've never made him go back. We've never been back to the Globe since. There you go. That's uh, uh, you got to know. You've got to know where your partner's strengths lie. Oh my god! And for me, it's not football, and for him, it's not. It's not restoration theatre. Oh my god, it's so funny because you and the way that you and I talk, it's like our spouses are so fucking similar, but in like totally yeah. opposite ways. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? I think it's it's quite clear that opposites attract, I think, and that we're the similar ones to each other and they're the similar ones to oh each other. Oh my god. I when we get to the part where they talk about opposites attract, you kind of beat me to the punch, <laughs> but Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that more yeah, in a minute. Yeah, we'll talk about that more here in a minute. <laughs> so we get to Apollo House again and Jeremy, Dobby and Mark are sitting around. Um and or they're not sitting around Jeremy's doing the painting and he thinks that he needs to admit that he loves Dobby who to tell first her more exciting or him more noble which makes me laugh and then all together more Jeremy Kyle which obviously you know Jeremy Kyle is like Jerry Springer like that sort of thing more Jeremy Kyle with a small chance he might cave my head in um which made me laugh again because Mark would never ever cave Jeremy's head in I don't think uh, Mark then comes in to inspect the paintwork and says that you've got some paint on the light switch um, and Jeremy says yeah well that is going to happen unless I take forever and then Mark looks around and he's like is this white and Jeremy says it's apple white it was cheaper and Mark says he doesn't want slightly green white which made me laugh because you, you wouldn't would you it's not a nice colour. No and this part really cracks me up too because Mark just is like oh Jeremy, this isn't what I wanted at all. And Jeremy just says, "You knew you hired me. It was you knew when you hired me. It wasn't going to be a professional job." Despite, despite Jeremy saying that he was going to do it to the highest professional standards. <laughs> yeah, and it's like apple white is such a weird idea. Like it must be something that's just been invented by paint makers to make more paint because there's nowhere else on earth you'd see. Like, there are no dresses in apple white. It's such an odd idea. I mean, I'm looking at apple white right now. And... Oh, have you got apple white in your house? No. No, I pulled it up on my computer monitor. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. And... I mean, it's not unpleasant, but it is a weird idea. It, it is a weird... I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call it, like, green white. I would call it more like, I don't know, yellow white. Yeah, not right white, I think, would be a fair way to, to put it. And also, why is apple white green and not pink? Because when I think of an apple, I think of red anyway. Oh, like a green apple? I know, but oh, that's not like when I think of an Laura, apple, I think of a, a red, Laura, like red. It's the colour of the meat of the apple. Ah, okay. I just, I just, that makes sense. I just totally fucking figured that out too. <laughs> Ah, uh, okay, that makes sense then, fine. Like, literally, as you were like, why would it be uh, green and not pink? I was thinking to myself, I was like, yeah, that's a good fucking point. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, right, because it's the same color as the inside of the apple. Ah, uh, okay, maybe it wasn't just made up by paint makers then. Maybe it is a real thing. Uh, I still wouldn't paint my house yeah. it. 
uh, so at this point, Dobby just comes storming into Apollo House, just full on in a rage. And she says, why the fuck have you been spying on me? And Mark just tries to play dumb. And he's like, I'm sorry. And she says, did you try and squeeze information out of Simon about the New York job while pretending to be play football? And I like that Mark, like, he, all he says is, I wasn't pretending. <laughs> so, like, the stuff about, you know, squeezing information, that's fine. But pretending? No. Mark does not pr pretend. And he says that he was just, he just happened to be passing and he felt like a kick around and in the lulls tried to stike up friendly banter. Yeah, um, and she says, you just happen to be passing. Sadie, shut up! <laughs> you just happened to be passing from your flat in Croydon to your corner shop in Croydon. You were passing a visitor centre in Hackney. So I looked to see how long this would take him. So to drive that far, it would take him one hour and 11 minutes. To walk it, it would take him five hours and one minute. <laughs> to get pub on public transport, it would take him an hour and ten minutes. So she's quite right. He wasn't just passing. Uh, uh, Jeremy thinks to himself, oh, poor Mark, the old stepping on the rake trick. All I have to do is paint and wait. <laughs> wait and paint. And at, and then at this point, Mark and Dobby kind of go into Mark's room to talk a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and he says, I suppose I didn't believe you liked me enough to move in with me. And she says, don't be a fucking dickhead. And he says, I guess it's things like calling me a fucking dickhead so much, which is a good point, I suppose. And this was going to lead me to my next question. Do you have any nicknames for Phil? Like, I called Nicole Pook, which is like sh short right, for Pookie, yeah. which was just, it was like mm. a stupid joke I made one time, but it's just kind of stuck our entire relationship. So, yeah, so Dobby says dickhead is a term of endearment, and I would agree with that. Like, basically, all my nicknames feel unpleasant. So, in a, in general parlance, we might call each other babe, which is pretty common to call each other, like, but, like, oh, could you get that for me, babe? Um, but in terms of, like, individual nicknames, I call him Philly, uh, like, because he's Phil and, like, Philadelphia is Philly, which I thought was funny. Since we've had the girls, I sometimes call him Daddy-O. Uh, but my other ones are all face ache, bell end, dickhead. Like I try, you know, less so now because we've got the girls around us most of the time. But in private, yeah, I would call him horrible things, and he would call me horrible things as uh, so he would call me, yeah, so dickhead, chubby, chubbo is a favourite of his. Maybe it's a British thing to do this, but I'm with Dobby that unpleasantness is is a term of endearment. Endearment. Mm -hmm. Or maybe we're just weird and weird like Dobby, who's also weird. I don't know. It'd be interesting to hear what other people call their significant others. Yeah, yeah. Just please tweet us what you call your significant others. <laughs> Especially if it's unpleasant. Yeah. Um, Dobby then <laughs> continues and um, Dobby says, of course the job is real. And Mark thinks to himself, oh, fuck. And Dobby says, and now they've offered it to me. They've chosen me over Claire. And Mark just says, well, congratulations. And Davi continues, Claire's never going to get on until she rethinks her hair. And I, be, I didn't think her hair looked bad. It was just like curly hair. I don't know. Yeah, she's, uh, I agree with you. I just thought she had like very curly hair. Not yeah. her fault. I doubt she did it on purpose. And Davi says that she doesn't know what to do. And Mark just says, well, if you don't mind me making a suggestion, why don't you stay and move in with me? And Davi says, but this is a big opportunity. New York, it's massive. 
Mark says, sure, it's a massive apple, but at the same time, I've just had the home office painted and I'll be moving my desk in there and you can have this whole bit. It ain't Greenwich Village, but it's yours. And <laughs> The most romantic thing anyone's ever said. And, you know, I, I guess I don't know how I feel about this part and because I've never been in this situation before, um, you know, it's kind of hard to say, but it, if my partner had a opportunity for a job in a different city and it was going to be huge and I knew it was only six months I would just say cool six months I'll see you in six months like I don't know why he's you know I don't know I guess that's true but on the other hand I when me and Phil were at the point where we were moving in together. I don't think anything would have stopped. Like, I really wanted to live with him. Like, we were, like, as I'm sure are most people who get into relationships that stay together, I, like, we were, like, mad into each other. Like, we didn't want to be apart from each other for a second. And we moved into each in with each other really quickly. And I think I would have been a bit insulted if he'd wanted to go off to New York for six months. So I can see it from both points of view. I can see, but I don't think that, Mark and Dobby have got that kind of like crazy love where they want to be together all the time and I would have thought Mark was more pragmatic than that so it is I agree with you it's confusing Mark's reaction is confusing yeah um next scene we are still back at Apollo house and they are in Jer and by they I mean Jeremy and Mark are in Jeremy's old room and it's all painted and looks good and Jeremy says I actually did quite a good job though I say myself and Mark is just like, I'm sorry, I doubted you. And Jeremy says, no problem. I, I doubted me too. And then at this point, he's like, hang on. And he starts like staring at the um, the uh, walls. And he's like, wait, this is loads better than when I left. And Mark just admits that he hired somebody else because he wanted it to be nice. And Jeremy is obviously not competent. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's like you put a fluorescent safety jacket on the Mona Lisa, says Jeremy. Um, he, Mark then says that Dobby's thinking about taking this job in New York. Um, and this obviously upsets Jeremy too, because he's in love with her. Um, but Mark says he's got a plan. He's going to push things up a gear. He's going to ask Dobby to marry me. Um, I think now's the time for a big statement. Show her how I really feel. What the fuck, Mark? What are you doing? So... What's really interesting is that I had totally forgotten about this until we were just started talking about this episode that I had a friend that literally did the same thing. Did it work? So I had a friend in the military who was kind of a dick, but like was <laughs> you liked but him. I liked him. Like he was generally a pretty nice guy. He he got a, an assignment to this base called the Azores. What are you doing? Are you like rolling around in fucking aluminum foil or something? <laughs> No, sorry. I was sneakily trying to get the marshmallow out of the bottom of some of Sadie's sweets I stole from her that were in the drawer. I stopped now. <laughs> <laughs> I confiscated them from her and I've just been eating them during the podcast for about three weeks. I've heard it, but I never knew what it was, so. <laughs> I thought you were like popping pills or something during the podcast. I just. <laughs> I just edit it out and go on with my life. <laughs> Yeah, don't ask any questions. Yeah. Don't ask, don't tell. Don't ask anything about the pill-popping podcast partner. <laughs> um, 
Sorry, carry on. And so he got this assignment to the Azores. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Azores. Yeah, I do yeah, know the what Azores, they are. Yeah, the Azores. Yeah. And so. Yeah. I thought it was a military. Oh thing. no no sorry. I thought it stood for something like Azores. No, oh, it's like <laughs> the American zone of reclamation <laughs> yeah, exactly. entertainment <laughs> systems. Uh, but he had started dating this girl. And it was, like, the first, like, kind of serious relationship that I'd ever seen. It was, like, the first woman that I had ever seen him, like, interested in. And, you know, when we left, or when he left, he was like, hey, Sean, you know, I want you to, like, stay friends with her so, you know, you can, like, keep an eye on her for me. And, you know, at the time, I was just like, oh, sure, of course, without realizing, like, what he was really asking me to do. But... Right, in kind yeah. of a weird way, I was almost like a Jeremy where I was like secretly in love with her and was really happy that he was leaving. <laughs> oh, this sounds so dysfunctional on so many levels. Carry and on. so he uh, he was from Kansas, which is why him and I were friends. And uh, he had gone back to Kansas because he had like about three weeks from when he was going to leave to go to the Azores. And so... I was sitting in my room, I was playing computer games, knock at my door, open my door, it's my buddy! And I'm all excited, like, whoa, what the fuck are you doing here? I, you know, had just assumed that you were gone, and he was like, oh, well, I came back because I had something to do here. And I was like, okay, and he's like, I want to show you something, and he shows me the fucking nicest engagement ring I've ever seen. And I was like, oh, cool. And then he goes... I was like, oh, you're going to propose to our other friend? And he's like, no, no, this is an engagement ring. And I was like, okay, well, what the fuck is it then? And he's like, this is a ring just to show her how much I care. And I was like, oh, all right. And he's like, I'm going to go give it to her. I'll be back in a few minutes. And I was like, okay. And he goes, goes to her room, knocks on the door, basically is like, hey, here's this ring. She pretty much is like, yeah, I don't really want this ring. Go back and return it. <laughs> so, yeah, so then that night we went out, and he got ungodly drunk over at our friend's house, vomited all over her, and then spent the entire night trying to drunkenly apologize to her for vomiting all over her. <laughs> and then he left to go back to Kansas the next day, and that was the last time I saw him. <laughs> oh... Oh, so his his plans to to keep her worked about as well as yeah, Mark's. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's see here. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, so he's so Mark then says he's going to pop the question in the Quantox at the weekend. Um, Dobby's driving, and Jeremy's like the Quantox is where you accidentally <laughs> propose to Sophie. Is that where you have to ask all women to marry you by law? And Mark just is like, oh, so do you think that's a good plan? Show her how I feel. And Jeremy thinks to himself, or Jeremy says, well, honestly. And he thinks to himself, this is the moment. Gotta tell him the truth. Tell him I love Dobby. Grass the noodle and get stung to fuck. And face the firing squad and get shot to bloody pieces. But out loud he says, yeah, good plan. <laughs> this was sort of like me. Yeah, yeah, Chris, great. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of Chris's. Yeah, Chris, good plan. <laughs> um, so Mark says it was good to talk it through with a mate, and Jez thinks he didn't grasp nettle. Obviously, who would grasp a fucking nettle? 
Um, next scene, they are at Marleybone Station on a train. Have you ever been? Marleybone. Have you ever been there? Marleybone, yes, I have. Oh, Marleybone. Okay. Marleybone. Yes, it is the train where you go to the West Country. Uh, it's the station in London that goes west. Ah. Yes, I have been to Marleybone. Oh, well. I just totally fucked up that pronunciation. <laughs> it's fine. To be fair, it doesn't look like you'd pronounce it like that, does it? Yeah, I actually think I just have it spelled wrong in my notes. If I probably... Do you have, in, in America, is your monopoly, you know, American? Oh, that's interesting that you ask. So, the version of Monopoly that I grew up in, grew up playing was my parents' version of Monopoly. Now, I'm sure that you remember my parents lived in England, so thus, yes. their version of Monopoly was the British version of Monopoly that had all the train stations on it. Ah, so Mar Marlebone is one of the Monopoly stations. Oh yeah, I guess it is, isn't it? Mm, yeah, but that still doesn't mean... You necessarily knew how to. I'm actually it, probably there. almost positive my sister and I called it Marleybone Station. To be honest, I've known British people who couldn't pronounce it, so you're fine. Um, they're on the train, and Mark is saying, "Oh, it's very oh." And this is probably the longest individual scene in probably Peep Show history. Yeah, it goes on for fucking ever. Um, it's like three pages of no of the script, four pages of the script. Um. <laughs> uh, Mark says that it's very good of you to help me, Jez, but it's not the 1830s. And, uh, you know, Jeremy just keeps thinking, I've got to tell him I love Dobby. That's the honorable way. Tell him, then tell Dobby. Uh, Dobby will say she needs to think about it, but I'll be able to tell if she really does love me. And, you know, then we'll probably... Excuse me. She... And then I'll be able to tell she really does love me, probably... And we buy Mark a cake and have a right old laugh. And Jeremy's just kind of acting really weird. And Mark's just like, right, well, or thanks, I'll see you on Monday. Jeremy says, I hope everything goes well, mate. And then he's like, got to say it, got to say it. Mark says the train's about to leave. And Jeremy just blurts out, yeah, so apologies. But I think you should know I'm in love with Dobby. Peace. And he turns around to leave. <laughs> yeah, um... And Mark's like, what the fucking hell are you talking about? And Jeremy says, I think it's only fair that you know. Goodbye. And he tries to leave, but someone's blocking his way in the aisle. And he thinks, uh, excuse me, can I get past? And then thinks, because my best friend is going to kill me with a tuna baguette. And, and then suddenly the train starts moving and he thinks, oh no, the train's running on time. This is unprecedented. <laughs> um, and he's got nowhere to go. So he thinks, I'll just go back to the scene of the crime to face the music and dance like some mad musical murderer. How am I going to play this? And he thinks I'm just going to totally fucking ignore it. Yeah, I don't think that I would have gone, even if I'd been stuck on the train, I think I would have just gone to a different seat. Yeah, go to a different carriage. That's all I was thinking was just go through the little doors. And once you're in a different carriage, just keep going through to a different carriage until you're like at the end of the train and he won't find you. Yeah. Um, uh, Jeremy sits down with Mark and Mark is just looks like, <laughs> so fucking angry here and uh jeremy just says oh i'm back and then he sees a magazine and he's like oh look an interview with the new usa national football coach jürgen klinsman and mark is just no we are not going to talk about jürgen klinsman yeah what in the name of holy fuck is going on and um, and jeremy says he's really really sorry but but dobby's just so lovely and mark says i know she's lovely this sadly appears to be the one thing we agree on 
And Jeremy says he feels terrible. He's been carrying around this terrible weight for months and Marxism. and what you thought it was time to drop it on my head. And he says, you don't understand. I'm in love with her. I want to spend the rest of my life with her. The love tap is gushing. <laughs> uh, Mark tells Jeremy <laughs> to turn the love tap off and Jeremy says he can't. And uh, Mark says, put some fucking elbow grease in it. And Jeremy just says, how am I supposed to do that when there's no such thing as elbow grease? Look, Mark, I knew how much this would hurt you and how angry you'd be. That's why I planned to tell you and then get off the train right afterwards. Yeah, and uh, Mark thinks this, says, oh, how incredibly noble. And Jeremy says he feels terrible. And then just at this point, the ticket lady comes around and asks to see tickets. Or, or so you can buy a ticket from her, like, either way. Um, and Jeremy says, I don't suppose you'd lend me some money for a drink, but a lager. And Mark says he's the very last person on the train who would lend you money anyway. The, currently, the very thing that would solve all my problems is you dying of thirst. And then the ticket woman, she asks for tickets again. And Jeremy says he wasn't meant to be here. He hasn't got a ticket and he's you know not got the money to pay for it. And then she just is like, okay, well, you'll need to get off at the next station. And Jeremy's just like, oh, well, that's fine because that's the... Uh... That's the station I need to get off at. Yeah, um, he's it's thirty four pound sixty for a standard single. Mark won't lend him the money, so yeah, she says, "Well, then you're gonna have to get off at the next station." And Mark's appalled by this. Mark is appalled that this is the punishment of last recourse, uh, free travel, and she's just like, "Give a <laughs> shit." Um, this I had a friend actually who got thrown off a train, so he didn't have a ticket between. Edinburgh and Manchester and he was thrown off at Darlington at like 11 o'clock at night with no no means of getting home so this is what they would do is they do just chuck you off at the next station oh that's so funny um I like when he's uh I like when he's trying to bum the 34 quid from Mark and he's just like oh I'll pay you back and Mark's just like no fuck you (laughs) um so Mark then says, I can't believe that you're actually thinking of coming. And Jeremy says he needs to tell Dobby how he feels because he told him like an honourable man. And Mark says an honourable man would have become a monk or chopped his nuts off or gone to Morocco and become a pedo <laughs> or a charity worker. Um, and Jeremy says that by his own code of ethics, he's done nothing wrong. And Jeremy says, and Mark says, your ethics are incredibly shitty. Yeah. Um, Jeremy then continues and he says, you've got to admit, me and Dobby are better fit than you. I totally 100% agree. And he just says, we click. And Mark says, I haven't heard any clicking. And Jeremy just says, oh, the clicking is continuous. That's why you haven't noticed it. Click, 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 click. Well, and then Mark says, well, me and Dobby make a great team. Opposites attract. And Jeremy just says, no, they don't. Not really. And uh, he just says excuse me, and by he, I mean Jeremy, just says, that's just something scientists and people in horrible relationships say. And since we already talked about it, what are your feelings on this? Do opposites attract, or are you better off being with somebody who's similar to you? So I think opposites do attract to to a degree. So I would say, out of the relationships I've had in my life, like the significant relationships, the one that was most, that most didn't work was with Bob the Bin Burner, and that was because we were quite similar in some ways. And I would say, like, so this is the way I would put it. If if mine and Bob's uh, books had met, then they would have liked each other a lot. Like, they would have been duplicates of a lot of them. We liked all the same things. We like, we had a lot in common in terms of our, like, Venn diagram of interests. <laughs> um, we were both English teachers, as it happened, and 
it was all, or he was one, I was going to be, I was trained to be one. We both had English literature degrees. We were both, it, it, on paper, it seemed like it would work really, really well. But we both had horrible tempers and were both quite stubborn. And that translated into like just carnage. And then, then the other significant relationship I've had has been obviously with my husband. And we're poles apart. Like if our books met, they wouldn't meet because he hasn't got any. And if even if he did, they'd be they wouldn't like my books. Like they just wouldn't like each other. Our Venn diagram of interests are barely cross over really, and we on paper again don't have anything in common. But we work really well together. We complement each other really well. It's almost like he's got the bits that I'm missing and I've got the bits that he's missing. And that seems to work a lot better. So I would say, yes, actually, I do think to a certain degree opposites attract, but potentially not to the extent of Mark and Dobby, who are so different and have such different outlooks on life that I don't think they can ever be together. What's your feeling on the subject? Yeah, I, you know, it was weird because I remember when I first started dating Nicole, I remember telling one of my friends, I was like, wow, I just, you know, never thought I would be into a, a girl like Nicole that's just so quiet and just so, you know, completely opposite of me. And in a sense, I almost feel like we are Dobby and Mark, where we're just so different that it's, you know, it's it's weird sometimes. I think you can be different as long as you, you've got the same, like outlook on life or like i don't know code of ethics or whatever it is mm -hmm. like as long as you've got that thing in common or maybe like similar upbringings or something that's going to keep you keep you connected in some way but i just think for mark and dobby they've got nothing like nothing at all and i do think the way i always put it is like with me and bob you can't have two people on the karaoke like it's too much do you know what i mean if if if, that, if both people want to be the in the spotlight or the ones that are talking or like like in a social situation with me and phil i'm definitely the one that carries it but he's the more thought like he's the more thoughtful more considered one like he thinks before he speaks whereas i'm the one that makes everyone laugh and that's that that, that works well if you're both trying to make everyone laugh or you're both trying to get on the karaoke that isn't going to work and if you both won't talk that's not going to work either yeah. No, I agree with you. And I think that, you know, Nicole and I have gotten to the point where, you know, uh, I've started to pick up some of her interests. She started to pick up some of mine. Um, you know, we make a good team. We communicate with each other. And, you know, I think that that's, like you said, kind of the most important thing. Yeah. And I, th I do think that. So, yeah, I think for the most part. I think opposites do attract, but I just think for Mark and Dobby, they're too opposite to ever work. And initially, when we first meet Dobby, she seems like Mark's dream woman because it seems like she she's like geeky and she likes all the things he likes and like they're both into their whatever the fantasy war quest and all that. And it seems like they've got similar interests. But actually, as time moves on, we see that Dobby is almost like she almost is outgoing to the point of crassness she doesn't consider anything all right daddy will get you some juice um she will she's almost yeah she's almost outgoing to the point of crassness she she doesn't think before she speaks and mark is so in his own head that they've just got 
nothing in common, really. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I mean, you look at, like, the interrailing and all that stuff. I mean, they're just so opposite of each other. It's just, yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is, maybe Dobby is, like, the shiny, you know, thing that's, like, fun. and Anyways. She's not the one. Let's put yeah. it that way. We haven't, yeah, the one is coming up. The one is coming. Yeah. yeah um, and Jeremy just says, I mean, to, I mean, be honest, the things that you moan about Dobby, you know, the DJ bars, the dope smoking, the poorly arranged finances, don't they remind you of someone? And Mark just is like, I told you those quibbles in a different area. You can't use them against me. And Jeremy just says that him and Dobby don't quibble. And Mark says, well, that's because you never spend time together. Um, and then Jeremy suggests that Maybe, like, one of us should kill ourselves, and Mark just says, oh, the life coach speaks. <laughs> Maybe the reason that you're in love with Dobby is she's a woman you've been spending the most time with, and I just wrote, bingo. Yeah, that's exactly true, because that is what happens to to Jeremy, is he just, he just latches onto the, the woman who's around him the most. I mean, most. I'll be honest, but... I, I think that this just happens to people in general. Mm. Of course it does, because otherwise... Why do people get together with people in their workplaces and stuff like that so often? Yeah. It's because you see a lot of them, isn't it? Like, it's... That's just science. That is true. But Jeremy probably does take it to extremes. And then Jeremy just is like... He looks, like, really insulted. And he just says, Do you think I'm some kind of sex duckling who will follow anyone around <laughs> who's got breasts and a vagina? And I just wrote, yes. And <laughs> um, he says he loves Dobby. He knows it's true love because he's prepared to sacrifice his closest friendship for it. And there's a kind of like, there is a sort of moment, there's a beat there of poignancy. And then he says he's going to tell her. And Mark says, look, I think we should have a calling off period. You go back to London, find out what Nancy's up to, watch some pornos, have a couple of gay flings. And then at the end of two weeks, if you still feel the same, then maybe you can say something. By which time, and then and then Jeremy says, but, but by that time you'll have her all married, like a trussed up hog. And Mark says, if he agrees to hold off, then he promises that he will also hold off and won't ask Dobby to marry him for a couple of weeks. Deal. And they agree it's a deal. And Mark thinks, great, two weeks to find the nicest ring for under 200 quid. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are out at the Quantox in front of the train station and and Mark is saying like, okay, mate, next one to London's the 12 and... Oh, the 12.14, excuse me. Next one to London's the 12.14. See you later. And Jeremy just says... Yeah, you know, actually, I'm thinking about it. I don't know if I'm going to go back. And Mark just is like, what the fuck? That was the agreement. And, you know, I, what I realized was that Jeremy saw... Remember in Dobby Club when Mark is like, well, Gerard and I had an agreement. And obviously, I would have violated that agreement in a heartbeat. And Jeremy's just like, yeah, of uh, I know. But he didn't know that. I wonder if this is yeah exactly. So he knows he knows Mark's game, and I think that that's part of the part of that here is that Jeremy knows Mark so well. Like they've lived together for a long time. He's seen this sort of thing with Mark before, and he knows that Mark is duplicitous. Like they're both duplicitous, but he knows that Mark is not gonna he's not gonna honor that deal. Yeah, um, and uh. uh Jeremy just says, you know, I've got this quite strong feeling you're going to break the agreement and propose. Mark says he wouldn't. 
Uh, Jeremy says, yeah, I know. The thing is, I just don't trust you. And Mark just says, what if I say you can't? And Jeremy says, if you say that, I might be forced to say something too. And I was wondering if he was maybe talking about the time that Mark was going to cheat on Dobby with Suzanne. Oh, the NBA woman. Yeah, that's another thing is that Jeremy's got too much like dirt, dirt on Mark. Yeah, yeah it is. that's why, again, that's why this pact can't ever properly work. Um, just at that moment, Dobby walks up and he says, Jez says, hey, Dobbs. Um, and Mark explains, like, she looks confused to see Jez there. And Mark says he thought it would be nice if Jeremy joined them for the weekend, if you don't mind. And, Dobby clearly um, does mind. <laughs> does clearly mind and she says oh no that's totally fine and jeremy says don't mind me i'll just be hanging out staying close to my buddy here and like puts his arm around mark yeah yep exactly um and then mark says you know we look after each other i watch my back i watch yours isn't that right dude and yeah and then they sort of step away and, and dobby asks mark what's going on and he says he's really sorry but i had to bring him um, it turns out there's something I really have to tell you about Jeremy. I should have told you this a long time ago, but there's a reason why he's such a dickhead. Um, it's ironic with the life coach and everything, but it turns out he's a drug addict. <laughs> um, he can't get an erection unless he thinks about something disgusting. I don't want to say what, and he thinks he's gay. He's like 80% certain. Um, this is another one of these scenes in this episode that is just so fucking long. And yeah, I mean... This entire episode, like probably two thirds of this episode, is the train and then this scene out in the country. Yeah, the the dragging out of this bit. Um, Mark wins is that Jeremy's incredibly unstable, so it was either bring him along or risk getting home to find him. And he sort of makes the like hanging gesture to find him, you know. Um, yeah, and Dobby says, but this was meant to be their special weekend away. Um, Mark continues, and he says that. As uh, Jeremy is walking back, Mark just calls out, one sugar, Jez? And Jeremy just says, yes, please. And Mark says, I gave him one without a sugar the other day, and he got really angry with himself and smashed up a CD case and tried to eat the pieces. And as Jeremy is walking towards Mark and Dobby's picnic, he's thinking to himself, he'd better not bloody have said anything or there'll be repercussions, extremely romantic repercussions. And then he just plops down right next to Dobby, and he just says, so, did I miss anything? And she says she had a half a scotch egg, and Jeremy just says, brilliant. Um, <laughs> Mark thinks that he needs to wee too, but he will continue resisting. My bladder is not so easily the master of me. Um, she offers... Uh, Dobby offers Mark a piece of pie, like an actual, like, pie, not like a pie pie. Like... Like a pork like, pie. Yeah, pork pie, pork not pie. like a proper, like, apple pie. I mean, a pork pie is still a pie. What's that? A pork pie is still a pie. Well, not in the sense of, like, <laughs> an apple pie. Like, come on, Laura, we've already... We, I know we've had this pie conversation before. <laughs> it's a pie, though. Like, it's, it's legitimately a pie. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a goddamn pie. <laughs> <laughs> this, episode, this episode's gonna be so fucking horrible I'm, I'm um, so sorry for everybody who's listening to this right now so then um 
Mark says he doesn't want any, but he'll cut her a slice. And Jeremy's suspicious of this. He thinks he doesn't want any delicious pie. Normally he loves pie. Very suspicious. He did spend a long time in the kitchen preparing the picnic. Of course, a ring. He smuggled a bloody engagement ring into the pie. So then he says, sorry, Dobbs, I just need to check something. And Jeremy, like, decimates the pie with his fingers. Oh, and it's so Mark, funny. It's, it's horrible. He, like, tears it, <laughs> like, like, tears it in half and, like, just smushes it everywhere. And Dobby and Mark are just um, looking at him like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and... and Sorry, I was going to say, Mark says, what the hell are you doing? And Jeremy thinks, or says very, very softly, like, you know, as if Dobby is not sitting directly next to him. And he just says, I'm wise to you, my fine feathered friend. And Mark says out loud, he's gone mad. And then he thinks to himself, now to stigmatize the mentally ill. And Jeremy just says, you know, apologies, apologies. And uh, Jeremy says, great picnic, though, Dobbs. Or, excuse me, Mark says, great picnic, though, Dobbs. And Mark continues, yeah, it's just a shame Jeremy put too many olives in the salad. And Jeremy says, no, I didn't. And Mark says, Dobby doesn't like olives. You knew that better. If if you knew her better, you would know that. And Dobby just says, I don't mind them so much these days. And Mark just says, "Uh, yes, you do. You hate them. And Jeremy's like, oh, calling Dobby a liar. That's charming. And... Mark and Jeremy kind of continue passively, aggressively sniping at each other. And then Dobby just puts, like, all these olives in her mouth. And <laughs> I'm going to say some words that I haven't said very often. I feel so fucking bad for Dobby right now. Well, yeah, she's she's having a, a bad picnic, I think it would be fair to say. And stuffing, like, 20 olives in her mouth is just the just about the, the pinnacle. She says, mmm, olives, lovely, greasy, bitter, horrible olives. And... Um, Jeremy says, I told you. And, and Mark says, she was being sarcastic, can't you tell? And just at that moment, Dobby's mobile phone rings and she answers it. It's Simon and she's still got 13 olives in her I, mouth. What I love is I have never listened to Dobby's half of the phone conversation before, but for some reason I was just paying attention to it. And she's like, yeah, I got like 13 olives in my mouth. <laughs> Hold on, I'm just going to spit them out. And... <laughs> <laughs> um, Mark thinks what part of ex-boyfriend doesn't he understand and um, then Jeremy says this is as she walks away he says this is horrible and Mark says why don't you go back to London then and he's and Jeremy says yeah so you can ask her to marry you um, and Mark says that this is what we agreed and Jeremy says fuck the agreement and Mark says yeah that's brilliant fuck the agreement fuck the Geneva Convention Fuck parliamentary democracy. Fuck everything. Ah, so he's going with um, the Donald is... Trump plan of governance. <laughs> yeah. Is that your great new idea? Um, and Jeremy then makes the point that you know how weak my powers of self-control are. Normally I can't wait five minutes before having a wank or a spliff or a chocolate biscuit. I've restrained myself for three hours. That's got to count for something. I'm going to tell Dobby how I feel about her. And Mark says, well, in that case, then I'm going to ask her to marry me. Yeah, Jeremy just says, no, you're fucking not. And Mark continues, yes, I fucking am. Jeremy says, you can't ask to marry, you can't ask someone to marry you without a ring. And Mark says, oh, shit, you got me. Except, no, you haven't, you dickwad. Of course you can. And they continue having this argument about what they're doing. Uh, They start kind of shoving each other. And Dobby just says, what the hell are you doing? That fence is electrified like a motherfucker. And... 
all of a sudden Jeremy just gets this gleam in his eye and he just shoves David Mitchell right into this fucking electrified fence and uh, Mark just lets out this scream where he's like, ah! And, um, <laughs> and then uh, Dobby's like, is this about the bloody olives? And Jeremy says, no, Dobby, it's about something else. And then Mark shoves Jeremy into the electric fence and Dobby's just like, what the hell are you doing that for? Will you stop electrocuting each other? And then she puts her phone up and she's like, hi, Simon, hold on a second. And then um, she walks off. <laughs> and then Jeremy thinks, what's a step up from electric? Oh, yeah, a nice big stick. And he picks up a stick to go to hit Mark. And he, Mark says, oh, we're allowed sticks now, are we? It's come down to sticks. Um, <laughs> How about rocks? Then... Are rocks invited to the party? <laughs> And Jeremy says, yeah, go on, rock me, Amadeus, you know you want to. And, uh, and Mark says, yeah, you'd love that, wouldn't you? Oh, Dobby, the bad man threw a rock at me. <laughs> and Jeremy says, Mark, if you don't, if you throw this rock at me, I, if you don't throw that rock at me, I'm going to hit you with this stick. Those are the available options. And then Mark just notices that Dobby's gone. She's she's run off. Oh, yeah, I just disappeared. Yeah. Um, and... And he says, oh, God, she's gone. And Jeremy says, yeah, good one, distract me, then crush my skull. I'm not falling for that one. But then he realises that Dobby actually has gone. And he's like, shit, fucking hell. And Mark says, see, you've driven her off. That, that it's your fault she's gone. Yeah. Uh, at this point, Mark's phone rings and he gets the longest goddamn text message ever. Yeah, it's like 14 screens long. I'm taking the job in New York, flying flying over with Simon tonight. Was hoping this weekend would be a chance to make up for all the weirdness, but clearly the fact you brought Jeremy proves you can't handle intimacy. I'm sorry Jay has issues with drug addiction and being 80% gay, but this was not the weekend to address them. Clearly she's a speed texter, because yeah, she's she's run off somewhere they can't see her and sent this text message, but you're right, it is a bit, it's not been very long. Um, Mark also has a missed so, call, and it's two in the afternoon. Yeah, I just noticed that. Yeah, he's got... Three, three missed calls and yeah it's 155 p.m mm -hmm. and he hasn't got much signal and um, so um then jeremy says hang on why does it say here i'm eight percent gay it says i'm eight percent gay and mark says i'll kill you jeremy for trying to steal dobby and electrocute me and destroy my fucking pie and then he runs off just shouting dobby and oh no sorry jeremy runs off shouting dobby and then that is the end of the episode and the end of series eight. And for a long time, I thought it was going to be the end of Peep yeah. Show. Yes, because it was... So this aired at the... If I'm correct, it ended at the end... Of, uh, sorry, aired in 2013. Is that right? Was it? Yes. Shh, I said, if you're going to sit on my lap, be quiet. No, no. This aired at the end of 2012. 2012, yeah. And then... I'll tell you in a minute. Be quiet. And... It wasn't until November 2015 that we got the final series of Peep Show. So there were three years between yeah. this airing and the final series, which I remember, I agree with you, I thought it was going to be the end. I didn't think there was going to be any more. And I actually was, you know, for a long time I was kind of okay with this ending. I was a little annoyed because you never really found out what happened with Dobby or anything like that, but... I mean, I guess in Series 9, you never really get closure with the Dobby thing either. I mean, I guess you sort of do. But... No, you sort of do, but not, you know, it's never fully 
explained about the conversation they must have had that must have ended their relationship but maybe this was the text message that ended it maybe there was no more yeah um so i'm just gonna go i'm just gonna shoot for what i think this is and i'm gonna say 53 54 this is my least least favorite favorite episode of peep show okay yeah i almost went 54 but i was like uh maybe william morris years or one of the series nine is gonna be even lower but yeah 54 quan talking too yeah i hate this and I hated it at the time, and I hate it now, so nothing's changed. But I am glad that this is the end of all the Dobby nonsense. Well, we got one more Dobby episode. She's in it, but she's not the main focus of that episode, is she? So that's something, at yeah. least. And actually, the episode where she appears next, I really like. So Yeah, um, so that's Series 8 in a nutshell. I definitely can understand why there's a lot of people who... Are very low on series eight yeah series eight is a bit meh isn't it but then that's only i mean there are a lot of people that don't like series nine and i know in the peep show group on facebook a lot of people have got a lot of bad things to say about series nine and i'm gonna pin my colors to the mask now and say i fucking love series nine and i it is my probably my favorite series after series one well that's a hot yeah. take so yeah i really love series nine so i'm really looking forward to talking about it not least because I think that Mark's one is reappears for us in series nine. Yes, I agree with you. Sorry, Sadie's now clambering on me. Hello. So Sadie, who she, do you think uh, Mark's number one is? <laughs> who do you think Mark's number one is, Sadie? Don't know. Do you think it is Dobby? She's nodding. You think it's Dobby, do you? You're wrong. But <laughs> it's good to have your opinion. <laughs> We need to have a Sadie, like an all Sadie episode one time. Where instead of you, it's Sadie, and I'm just like, (laughs) you're in the background, like trying to prompt Sadie for answers, and she's just like, oh, I don't know what's going on here. That's weird. I don't know what happened there. Sadie was clambering on my lap, so maybe she just, like, I don't know. I, I had to, I, like, took the microphone thing out and put it back in maybe she just i don't know anyway should we sign off yeah i think we should just go ahead and sign off this has been a hell of a podcast yes. <laughs> so we're gonna go get dressed to go to nandy's now you're not gonna have room because this chair is for one person right let's sign off all right with sadie <laughs> All right, and we will be back next week. I guess we're probably not going to do a bonus episode because we haven't really talked about it. Um, I think we're just going to barrel straight into series nine so that we can. Yeah, let's do it. We'll do some. We'll do some post peep show stuff at the end. Yeah. All right, here we go. Cool. This is uh, the L Dude Brothers signing off. And goodbye. Yeah, 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 yeah